can I pause for a second and, and just note that uh, we got Brian on here who's getting uh, Congressman Massey on, and our typical lineup includes like homeless people that believe in Bigfoot. <laughs> Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. The Brian Nichols Show is the fastest growing liberty podcast that brings together people from all means of political thought as we seek to have meaningful conversations about the issues you care about. At The Brian Nichols Show, our goal is to leave the audience educated, enlightened, and informed. And now your host, Brian Nichols. Election season is just around the corner, and naturally, we want to make sure we are bringing out as many libertarian candidates onto The Brian Nichols Show as possible, and today is going to be continuing that theme as I am joined by not only the libertarian candidate, but literally the only other candidate on the ballot against Senator Tom Collin out in the great state of Arkansas for the United States Senate, and that is one Ricky Dale Harrington. Now, Ricky is running for U.S. Senate as a libertarian, as I mentioned, and yes, he is literally the only other candidate out there uh, against Tom Cotton. So not only is Ricky running as a libertarian, uh, but it's a great chance to reach non-libertarians, and and really, if you're a Democrat in the state of Arkansas and you're looking for anyone to vote for besides Tom Cotton, give our guy Ricky a, a shot here. So with that being said, Ricky joined the show today because I think it's a great chance for not only libertarians to get to hear Ricky's story, but folks outside of liberty movement get to learn who Ricky is, learn his story, and with that, we get to learn about his really his past four years of going from the left being a democrat to embracing the ideas the concepts the tenets of liberty and bringing those in not only to his his personal life but now running for uh, u.s senate and trying to bring those ideas to washington so with that being said guys please enjoy the show share with family and friends but without further ado on to the show ricky dale harrington here on the brian nichols show thank you for having me sir Absolutely. Good to have you. And Ricky, thank you first and foremost for doing uh, doing your duty. And that is, um, and really what we've been saying here at the Brian Nichols Show, standing up as a libertarian candidate and saying, hey, I'm going to run, raise my hand and run for office. And you're running out in the great state of Arkansas against probably one of the most, in my opinion, dangerous U.S. senators we have out there in Tom Cotton. So first and foremost, Ricky, I want to let you have a chance to introduce yourself to my audience. And then also let's kind of discuss how you got into it to libertarian politics and where you're running for a U.S. Senate today. Yes, sir. Well, like a lot of people, I was introduced to libertarian ideology in the 20, uh, 2008 election. Of the, the main idea of libertarianism while Ron Paul was running for the Republican ticket. Uh, he spoke out against our foreign wars. He spoke out against government surveillance and government intrusion in people's lives. And at the time, I was a Democrat, and I still was a Democrat till about uh, 2016. But those ideas kind of shaped my ideology, even as a member of the Democratic Party. Now, around 2016, 2016, I voted for Gary Johnson. Wasn't going to vote for Trump. Wasn't going to vote for Hillary. Um, and especially seeing the fighting that they did and the, the dirty games that were played. And uh, we had a we had a candidate openly say, I can shoot somebody in the middle of Fifth Avenue and not lose a vote or WikiLeaks. Go ahead and give me the the rest of Clinton's emails. And uh, I just found it very distasteful. And so I looked at Gary Johnson. I looked what he stood for, looked at the Libertarian Party, and I took that leap of faith and I went ahead and. Joined the libertarian movement and we uh, started up a chapter in Jefferson County, Pine Bluff, Arkansas. 
And there was a lot of things that kind of led me to wanting to run. As I said, number one is Tom Cotton. Um, a lot of the things that he said, that he's done, being a person that has worked in corrections, whenever you have a sitting senator saying we don't have an over-incarceration problem, we have an under-incarceration problem, and I'm working in the roughest prison in Arkansas, knowing that there are some innocent people that have been locked up, knowing that there's some people that the entire book was thrown at them, that they got a harsher sentence that they should, not saying that there shouldn't be any people incarcerated. I'm saying that we have a system in America that is happy to lock up people because there's an entire industry built around that. Can I ask you a question? So do you speak from that from personal experience? And, and for Elephant in the Room, because obviously this is an audio medium, um, Ricky, you're black and you're a libertarian running for, for U.S. Senate. So I'm sure that, you know, just in your experience in life, you, you've experienced life differently than than I have. So is that something that maybe has led to criminal justice being one of the main things that's, you know, a, a part of your platform? Well, my father was a correctional sergeant for about 12 years before he got involved in um got himself a job at Union Pacific. My father was always involved in politics. He, from as far as I can remember, he has been talking to myself and my brother about politics, teaching us how to think critically about things. And my experience as a black man definitely informs my worldview. But in saying that, we're having a conversation right now at the national level. We're having conversations at the state level, local level, amongst friends and family about this idea of racism. And I want people to know that I have been treated badly in my life, but I do not. The first thing that comes to my mind every time I meet a person that's Caucasian or white, if you will, whether or not they're racist, that does not come to my mind. I don't punish people for yesterday's mistakes. And I think we need to get past that as a country. And what I mean by that, we need to be able to have those difficult conversations because there's a lot of things that still go on today that affects the African-American community. And we need our brothers and sisters who happen to be of a different race or a different genetic background than us to see that there's a systematic caveat involving race in our criminal justice system and our financial system and our whole American system. And we need you just to listen to us, to hear what we have to say, and to see how we can bring about solutions. Mm -hmm. And honestly, that's partly um, what this show is all about, is, is having people on the show, especially people who maybe come from different experiences, um, because I think it's silly for any libertarian to sit there and say that they know exactly what life should be like, because you, you're obviously coming through only one frame of lens, and that is your own personal lens of life. And and it's I think it's silly for anyone to, to say that they know all or they have the right, all the right answers. And it's important for us to make sure we're having these conversations. And yes, as libertarians, being empathetic and, and actually extending a hand and for in your case, Ricky, coming from more of the left and the Democratic side of things and joining our movement. So I guess with that being said, you've been a libertarian now for going on, what, four years. And I guess what's been your 
your, your perception as you've joined into the movement? Have you been walking with open arms? What's the conversations you've been having? Um, and I guess, how has your campaign, um, you know, been received by not only just a libertarian party, but elephant in the room? There is no democratic candidate running against Tom Cotton out in Arkansas. You are the, really the only alternative out there. What's been the reception out there for that, uh, as well? All right. Two things, two questions I, I feel that you've asked in there. Number one, uh, here in Arkansas, the Libertarian Party of Arkansas has been extremely welcoming because I told them up front about my beliefs. And they're not, uh, nine, you know, you take the political quiz and it has you, uh, you know, that a lot of libertarians kind of take to county fairs. And you have the, you plot your little circle where you are on the, on the political spectrum there. And so I was right there in between libertarian left and centrist whenever I first took the test. And I have two children that are on the autism spectrum. Okay. I told them that, Hey, they're on the spectrum. They receive benefits from the state because of the laws that we've passed. And I'll tell you. I would much rather have my children not on autism than whatever little bit of money that we receive. Um, the people that are on that $750 a month, the people that are living on the social security disability and things like that, they are not living it up. And one of the difficult things in this campaign has been the perception that libertarians do not care about people. That is every man for themselves, that they are uh, individualists. They don't care about society. That's one of the things that I've run into when it comes to reaching out to people outside of the libertarian party. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to the Arkansas party, I was upfront with them about my background. I was upfront with them about how I feel about certain things. And, um, you know, they were like, well, this, these are things that we can work on together. But, um, on, on the grand scale of things, I'm, I'm libertarian. And, and then there was a second. No, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I say the second part of the question. And that was being the libertarian. You are the only libertarian in, in this race. And you're the only other a candidate besides Tom Cotton in this race. So speak to that and how you've been received not only by libertarians, but also maybe by some of your, your, um, fellow citizens in the state of Arkansas being really that only, uh, alternative. Well, the main issue is the media. Now, just like Kamala Harris, they were saying she's the first African-American woman to be a vice presidential nominee. Then they add that little caveat to it from a major party because there have already, there's already been a woman that's a vice presidential candidate that happens <laughs> to be African-American. Right. So they like to put that spin on it. Um, I believe the Green Party, their vice presidential candidate is an African-American woman. So the media, this is just me experiencing it just recently and dealing with the independent candidates' failed attempt to get on the ballot. Um, they used me as a prop for someone who's not on the ballot. Jeez. Uh, the first African-American candidate in the history of Arkansas to run for the United States Senate and they use me as a prop for the independent candidate. Now, if I happen to be a Democrat or something like that, everybody be clapping and that type of stuff. <laughs> so 
that lets you know that the media is extremely biased. And I hate to even say things like that because the press has a very important duty in our republic. But the money-making corporate media likes to feed on these type of stories, of course, to, to sell papers or to, to generate um, buzz and, and attention. But if you're going to celebrate something, celebrate it no matter if they are libertarian, no matter if they're from whatever party. If you want to um, accentuate people of color's voices or disenfranchised voices, do it. Don't just do it because they're Republican or Democrat. Mm -hmm. So that's what I've been facing here in Arkansas. There's some people that didn't even know that I was running whenever I'd show up to a lot of the protests. They thought that Tom Cotton was running unopposed because the media has been saying that he has been running unopposed and the independent candidate capitalized on that himself. Hey, politics is what it is, I guess. But we need to be people of integrity. We need to be people of honesty and truth. If we truly want to have a better form of government, we need to be upright people. So then let's kind of go to uh, your stances on some issues, right? Because right now, obviously, and I'm looking at Tom Cotton. Tom Cotton is probably one of, and I've said it when we started the show, in my opinion, one of the most dangerous senators out there. He he is through and through a, a neocon war hawk. He, he, there's not a war. I mean, he's basically Lindsey Graham 2.0, except that he actually has been out there and he wants to do, like, he, he is all guns a-blazing to go to another conflict. So I guess for me, I would say in your world, I'm assuming Foreign policy must be a number one issue that is an easy thing for you to go after Tom Cotton with. But then I guess, what would be the other things, Ricky, that you would say are also encompassing the top uh, issues of your your campaign priorities, if you will, that you want to make sure that you're bringing to the voters over there in Arkansas? Uh, Criminal justice, health care, foreign policy are some of the big three issues that I have on my platform. Mm-hmm. Um, another another thing that I've been thinking about is, you know, Arkansas is one of a few states that don't have schools for people with autism or a center for strictly autistic people receiving treatment, being able to learn the skills that they need to be able to have a, a, a functioning adulthood. And I, I know a lot of people are against government funding on things like that, but we, we never value something until it hits us in our own backyard. That's the, the number one thing to make us, you know, change our stances quickly whenever it, it harms you or it harms someone that you love. And, and hopefully we can be a little more empathetic. And I know that President Trump, uh, provided about $1.8 billion in funding for autism research and autism services. And Senator Cotton, being this Arkansas representative, should have been able to get something started with that. And the tariffs have been hurting Arkansas farmers. Arkansas produces soybean, rice, a lot of exports that go to China and that has hurt our farmers. So instead of giving farmers a check, a subsidy check, I'm very sure they would like to sell their crop that they've been working hard on. 
I was watching an interview, I think it was on Good Morning America, and Tom Cotton was talking about the tariffs and things like that. And he essentially said, suck it up, buttercup, to the farmers, and that this is all a part of a strategy to take down China. It's a part of some larger strategy to <laughs> wrestle the forty chess that we have. 70 and, chess. And, it's something like that. Yes. Something way out there in higher dimensions that us common people have no no understanding of. You'll have to forgive my little sardonic comment there. One of the anchors, one of the anchors asked him, Well, if you why didn't you just tell them that to begin with? He kind of fumbled around that one, but you know, oh well. So, Ricky, uh, right now, obviously, you're we're, we're trying to get you out there, right? Because the media is not looking at you. And I'm wondering, because you do come from the left more in your, your past experiences. And I'm just I'm kind of curious because I came into libertarian politics more from the right. And I've had multiple conversations on my show with with folks, not only from the right, but also from the left. And I, I, I think it's fascinating, right, to hear how people get to where they are. And, you know, 2016. That's four years ago. Like, that's that's relatively soon in your journey, if you will, from being on the left to a libertarian. So I guess now that you're you're about four years removed from democratic politics, and now you can objectively be a libertarian looking at the Democratic Party and say, hey, not my group. But what's your thoughts, right? Like, when you're looking at them, what do you think? Like, this was your party four years ago. Have they really gone off the rails? Are, are things kind of like spiraling or are libertarians and republicans and conservatives just blowing out of proportion to make it something more so than it's not i think it's something that is very prevalent in our politics right now is that both parties are going to their echo chambers they're unwilling to hear from the other side and unwilling to come together to work on legislation, work on problems in our country together that benefit all spectrums, all the political difference, all the political flavors. And, you know, with uh, uh, people go to this all the time, they go to common sense gun control. Okay. Now, if you're going to believe in the Constitution, the Constitution states that the people have the right to bear arms and that it shall not be infringed. Let's go to the dictionary and look up the word infringed. That's a pretty strong word. And even while I was Democrat, I was pretty strong on the Second Amendment. And it has become kind of the center point now they, if they've gotten away from we're going to take away your guns to common sense gun control and I'll tell you what common sense gun control is we'll take a hunter's education course we'll take a concealed firearms course that's common sense gun control right there at the level of the individual where people are taught how to respect firearms how to engage in safely using them and the proper storage. That's one of the things that I've moved away from there. And of course, on the far right, both both sides engage in corporatist policies. But this crony capitalism, corporatism is, is doing 
deep harm to our country. And um, just to be honest, I, I never could see myself as a Republican. No offense at all to any Republicans, but I, I just couldn't see myself. And we need more parties engaged in the political discourse. Both Democrats and Republicans vote for Patriot. They vote for the Patriot Act. They vote for things that uh, intrude on the lives of everyday American citizens. Data storage, and things like that. So I just felt that the Libertarian Party would be my new home. Well, welcome home. Honestly, we need more folks, honestly, like you, Ricky, because I think the problem is, is that we have too many folks in the Libertarian Party who are just really focused on being right all the time instead of actually trying to, you know, change things. And I think what you're doing and you're speaking to this is the empathy. The empathy is so important to reach people outside of our movement because as you're speaking to, you know, the people, especially in, in Arkansas, who are going to be coming more from the left, because let's be real, in order to win, you're going to need some of their votes. And they just happen to, to speak to these issues on a much more emotional basis. So as such, you have to, to meet that person where they're at. And that includes making them feel that they're heard, making them feel that they're understood, and, and actually showing that you care. And I, I think part of the problem right now is that so many people have felt that their their concerns are not validated, that they are looking for extreme solutions. And, and sadly, what we're seeing right now is an extreme solution that's being not only accepted, but it's being promoted is that of, of this democratic socialism, socialism, communism. And I, I, I thought it'd be great to just do a quick segue here because doing some research here and actually my great researcher, um, Corey, he, he was going through and you were in China for a few years, were you not? Yes, I was there for two years as a missionary. So I, I, I must assume that that spoke to you in a way because you got to see firsthand what life is kind of like and obviously China's it's changed over the past 15 20 years in modernizing but it still has that that communist undertone so what was your experience when you were in China for two years and and kind of when you're experiencing communism you're coming back here to the United States and seeing so many people so gung-ho about it doesn't it raise a little red flags no pun intended well I would say that China is a authoritarian capitalist regime. That's how I would put it. Um, you know, the state is above everything. The state owns pockets of industry. The state owns banks and companies and communism. things like that. Yeah. Na nationalized. Yeah. It's, it's nationalism of the, the private companies. But it doesn't practice communism at all. There's no free education. There's no free health care over there. And I worked in the healthcare field while I was there in China for those two years. Uh, worked at the hospital that was attached to the university I was teaching at. Um, the surveillance state they have over there makes every single dystopian novel movie fill in the blank look like something out of Sesame Street. I mean, the facial recognition software alone is just, it, it gives you goosebumps. They, they, had on the freeway, they have angled cameras in such a way that it takes a picture of every car that passes by and it gets every single person's face inside the car. Um, we, my wife had her phone turned off by the, uh, the foreign police saying she was sending politically sensitive text messages. So, and we had to flee one province. Um, 
this is something that happened to me. I was teaching the international medical students academic writing and uh, teaching some medical English. And so I had about 200 students and the school I was working at was cheating the students out of their tuition money. They came over there from all over the place. They were from uh, Syria, from Saudi Arabia, from Pakistan, from India, from Bangladesh, from Nepal, from all different places in Africa, Ghana, from Nigeria to South Africa. And they were expecting to come here and learn medicine because the the Commonwealth frame of teaching medicine is a six-year double bachelor's degree. <laughs> you go straight from high school right into a six-year double bachelor's. It's called an MBBS, Bachelor of Surgery, Bachelor of Medicine. And so they think that uh, a teacher can advocate for them and make a change. And I thought to myself, I said, if my children were thousands of miles away from me and someone was doing them wrong, I would hope that there is someone with enough courage to stand up for them. And that's what I did. And it cost me. It cost me. We had to, we had to leave the province I was working in to go to another province because they, they put me on some list. Uh, just telling them, going to one of the administrators and saying, if you do not work with your students, you're going to destroy your program. Something simple like that. And I didn't have anybody to back me up. It was just me and my family. I had a wife, my daughter, and my son had just been born. He might have been five months old at the time. So, and it, it was it was the craziest experience of my life. If I knew what I was going to get into, before I left, I still would have done it because there are so many things I learned in those few years. And a lot of that does influence a lot of ideas I have for healthcare here in America. But over there in China, they're heavily authoritarian. As a, as a minister myself, if a Chinese person wants to be a minister, in China, they have to go to a state-sanctioned seminary. So if we think about America over here, it's a separation of church and state where the church, historically, from Western Europe's history, the church was over the affairs of the state. In China, the state is over the affairs of the church. Churches have to register. Um, there were some missionaries that we replaced. They had some plainclothes police officers show up to their apartment with boxes of every transcript from phone calls to Skype calls to emails that they ever made. And they came over there and went through every single one of them with them. And they didn't have their um, contracts renewed because they refused to stop having Bible studies in their apartment. That's life. That's life over there. People don't, go- people don't get that. Like, Ricky, I'm sorry. I, I'm just, I'm sitting here. I'm dumbfounded because people don't realize that that's literally, I mean, so have you watched the movie Jojo Rabbit just came out with, uh, it came out here back in, in 2019? Jojo Who's Rabbit? 
oh yes, I've heard of that movie, but I haven't watched it. It's a phenomenal movie. So basically, the the premise is is that you have a a little um Nazi youth boy basically who he he's all gung ho about Hitler. He has an imaginary friend Hitler, and his mother, little to his knowledge, is I'm not you know spoiler alert here, guys. Um, his mother, little to his knowledge, is a behind the scenes resistance fighter, and she has been keeping a little Jewish girl in their walls. And it's the story of him meeting her and being able to, to learn about, you know, you know, learn her history, but like also learn that she's a human, learn she's a person. But in the movie, there's a part of the movie where the, the SS comes and, and storms into his house and just starts ripping through things. And like, you watch it and you're like, okay, that's 1945. But then Ricky, to your point, this is 2018, right? Or 2016 rather. Like that, that's, that's horrifying that that's happening, not only in modern day, but it's happening in one of the largest superpowers in the world. And I mean, let's let's kind of discuss if, if you could really quickly. I'm not sure if you got to experience any of this, but I know that right now one of the big things that's being discussed is in China, there is a concentration, well, several concentration camps of, of Uyghurs, uh, Muslims out there, three million plus people in concentration camps, literally concentration camps where they're being tested on for medical, you know, medical um, services and they're having organs harvested. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Jason Stapleton, but back a couple of years ago, he had some folks who um, they were doing like investigative journalism into this and just the stories of what's happening in China is horrifying. So maybe you could speak to that, like how just really, I mean, how terrible China has become in terms of, you know, these human atrocities, but it's being forgotten or not discussed for some reason here in America. Why, why might that be? Well, I think in part because it's being done to the Muslim population over there. But Senator DeCotton has, has been um, coming up with a lot of legislation in regards to the bigger population there. Um, well, I should, I should say memorandums, more importantly than legislation. Um, that, that is happening over there. Um, they're sending them to re-education camps. Uh, they were putting them in cages and hitting them with flamethrowers. Uh, two weeks before I left, they bulldozed the pastor and his wife to death because they refused to let their church be bulldozed. Wow. They also have a history of uh, the Fulangong people, uh, the, the practitioners, I should say. They sent them to the re-education camps and were harvesting their organs. Uh, a big trade over there, the black market, uh, organ harvesting. And they don't, they don't really have a system over there kind of like we do where, um, if someone passes away, then they donate the organs, their organ donors. They really don't have that system over there. And they really don't have a big health insurance market over there as well. There's a lot of human rights atrocities that happen in China, as well as what's going on with Hong Kong right now. In Hong Kong, people are protesting an extradition law. And so this gentleman, he wrote a satire book about Xi Jinping having an arnai, which is a term for having a mistress, a second wife. And they went to Hong Kong, captured him. I think there was another Chinese person that was of Swedish nationality that captured him as well and took him to a black site there in mainland China. And then eight months later, they brought him back to Hong Kong for him to stand in front of the cameras and say, hey, 
I'm being treated all nice. There, it's like the Ritz over there. And whenever he said that he was locked in a dark room and lost track of days. So right now they're fighting for their right to express their speech, to express their democratic desires. And right now, President for Life Xi Jinping is cracking down on the people of Hong Kong. And my opponent, Tom Cotton, has been a champion for the Hong Kong people. But for Americans that have been protesting after the death of George Floyd, and there were some riots, there were some people there that were looting, that doesn't exclude, uh, excuse their behavior. But calling them insurrectionists and saying that no quarter should be given to them, no senator should ever say those things because they still have constitutional rights. They are still innocent until proven guilty and have their day in court. So that's the very whole point. I mean, that's the whole point that people have been protesting about. Our government infringing upon the rights of its citizens, not giving them a fair trial. Judge, jury, executioner right there on the spot. And so it's doublespeak for him to say, yes, we should champion for the Hong Kong people, but these Americans over here, well, we, we need to kill them on the spot. That's what no quarter means, right? Am I getting that right? I just want to be sure. I don't want to misquote it. <laughs> Tom, Tom Cotton, I, I I read that article that he wrote to the uh, the New York Times, and you know there's a reason that that Rand Paul, Justin Amash, you know they, that they will forever have a special place in my heart, regardless of their your political you know letter next to their name or, or what their political futures hold, because when they're on you know the, the Senate or or the House floor and they're filibustering or they're you know they're they're raising up issues of you know droning it, American citizens, that's and and it, they, you know the guy was a terrorist, but like hey. He's an American citizen. You don't just get to indiscriminately drone people. Obama, by the way. And, and that, I think, is the important thing, is consistency. And I'm hoping, Ricky, and, and I do want to start to, to wrap up here, but like right now, people are looking, I think, for some consistency. Cause I think there's a lot of America out there, and we hear this a lot, the, the quote unquote silent majority, right? I, I'm sorry. The silent majority is not the silent majority they think it is. The, the real silent majority, I, I'm, I'm 99.99% confident on this, right? The real silent majority is your average person who's out there living their life and they're living the motto, don't hurt people, don't take people's stuff. They live every single day with their head down, trying to do their part, their, you know, nine to five, whatever it may be, their side hustle. They have their family, they have their extracurriculars and they just, they just want to do their own thing. And I think that vast majority of people out there are silently becoming more and more restless and they're saying enough of this you know left right blue red team nonsense and let's be real the two parties that are going after each other they represent like what a third of america the rest of america is like the heck is this this is ridiculous so i'm i'm saying right now i think there is a chance for the adult in the room and that could be someone like a dr joe jorgensen or in this case a ricky harrington so it gives you a chance to to be that alternative, to be the the common sense, you know, adult in the room. Here, I'm not going to treat you like a child. I'm not going to tell you what you know. Here's the things you need to be terrified about. I'm going to treat you like an adult and expect you to make adult decisions. And right now, we have that chance. So, Ricky, with that being said, 
Number one, what do you think are the prospects for, you know, liberty across the nation right now? Number one. Number two, leave the, the audience, but also leave your voters with some, um, some positive words of encouragement and also the reason why you would be the best candidate to, uh, to lead liberty there versus that of one Senator Tom Cotton. Ricky, the floor is yours. Well, right now, we are going through another cycle of political division that comes once every three or four generations. And the only way to get through it is for us to work together. Our country would not have been founded if right there on the spot, the framers decided to die on whatever hill that they had. They decided to make compromises. We have the House of Representatives. That was a compromise. Trying to make sure that the smaller states had representation. The Senate. How we, how our whole government is set up right now is based on people having different ideas, coming together, seeing how you can be represented and I can be represented. It might not be everything that I want. It might not be everything that you wanted, but it's something that we can agree upon. And I think right now, this is what the silent majority, as you say, should be getting behind. We should be getting behind this message of, hey, it's not this hyperpartisan idea that's going to be the solution. The left or the right hyperpartisan idea, it's going to be maybe a mixture of both. And the idea that I get to live my life as long as I'm not harming anybody else should be the guiding principle of all Americans. Freedom, liberty, and the opportunity to pursue happiness. As long as my happiness is not taken from people's property, people's life, harming someone in any way, you should be able to find that journey and I would hope the people of Arkansas would take a look at who I am as a person my background take a look at some of my policy stances and throw your support behind me I'm not going to be able to unseat Senator Cotton without the help of disenfranchised Republicans Democrats who are fed up with the way that Tom Cotton is playing the political game. First and foremost, he doesn't even come and talk to his constituents. I need the help of Libertarians, Independents, Green Party, Constitution, and everyone in between there as well. We need to work together. It's time to, it's time to cut the childish games of you did this. Well, you did that. The what about isms. It's time for us to start acting like adults. The same thing that we teach our children. It's time for us to be the embodiment of what we want to see in other people. 
Amen. I can't say it better than that. So I think that's a good uh, note to leave on. Ricky Dale Harrington Jr., you're running for U.S. Senate on the great state of Arkansas against one Tom Cotton Republican. And uh, you can find Ricky over on social media, Ricky for Senate or RickyHarringtonSenate.com, both of which I'll include links for in the show notes. Ricky, thank you so much for joining the Brian Nichols Show. It was an absolute pleasure, and you're always welcome to join back on in the near future. I truly appreciate it, sir. I appreciate your support. And I hope my brothers and sisters in Liberty will also support me as well. We got to get him out of there. All right, folks, that's going to wrap up my conversation with Ricky Dale Harrington. If you enjoyed it as much as I did, then I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. Number one, you're going to be my my folks on the ground, boots on the ground. You're going to be going out there and spreading the message of Liberty grassroots. We're going to go make sure, please spread. I'm asking at least five of you because I know how big the audience is. All right. And if we have at least five of you sharing today's episode with at least five family members or friends, then we could have quite literally tens of thousands of downloads for Ricky's uh, campaign here, which is, is so important because we need to get Ricky's name out there. So when you go ahead and share that episode, do me a favor, make sure you tag not only myself at B Nichols Liberty, so I can make sure I give it a retweet, but make sure you tag all of Ricky's social media at Ricky for Senate on uh, Twitter. You can find him over on Facebook. It's a uh, Ricky, uh, let's see, right here, Ricky Dale Harrington Jr. for U.S. Senate. And of course, for his uh, his website, which uh, is going to be included also in the show notes, is RickyHarrington.com. So guys, with that being said, Apple Podcasts, you know the rules. You can't listen to The Brian Nichols Show for free unless you head over to us uh, and give us a five-star rating there on Apple Podcasts. And make sure, if you haven't yet, hit that subscribe button. Hit that fancy little bell icon uh, to make sure you always get notified when The Brian Nichols Show drops a new episode. But you guys have been along for the ride for the longest haul. So, you know, every morning, 6 a.m. on Friday mornings, you can get a brand new episode of The Brian Nichols Show uh, being aired. But actually, this week, you're lucky you're going to get two episodes. Two, that's right. Uh, Good friend Gary Collins returns to the show. Gary's always a great uh, person to speak to. So, this week, you get to learn about healthcare and personal responsibility which, of course, is going to be awesome. So make sure you give that a, 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 a review, a listen. You can give it a review if you want to afterwards. I'm sure Gary would love that. Also, one final note, and I do want to give a special shout-out, and that is to uh, a new member of the team. Yes, Corey Dunn. Thank you for joining the Brian Nichols Show team, helping us do some research, getting guests aligned. Uh, you know, it, it makes my job a little bit easier because, unfortunately, the reality is there's just only so many hours in a day. So that being said, Corey, thank you for all your work you're doing behind the scenes here at the Brian Nichols Show and part of the We Are Libertarians Network. And one last note, if you want to get in touch with me, Brian at BrianNicholsShow.com. That's my email. Send me an email. Guests that you have in mind, or if you just want to say hi, I'd like to hear from you as well. But guys, that's enough of me this week. So with that, Brian Nichols signing off for Ricky Dale Harrington for U.S. Senate. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at BrianNicholsShow.com.